Welcome to the second season of the Mastering the Mind podcast, where we will now be exploring the exciting and fast-growing world of esports. We will be interviewing a variety of professional esports players, coaches, and stakeholders in order to better understand the psychological demands of competing at the elite level and the important role the mind plays in esports performance. Part of a collaborative initiative with Final Form Entertainment, we hosted a live episode on Twitch where we got to speak to a Final Form player and coach. More specifically, we interviewed professional Valorant player Papi Cam and professional Rocket League coach Luke. So let's welcome the boys to the podcast. Sort of getting started with the podcast then. Um, a good way like we like to start podcasts is for the guests to sort of introduce themselves Tell us a bit more about themselves from growing up to sort of where you are now, how you've got into the position that you are now on a podcast like Master in the Mind. <laughs> so we'll start with Papi Cam. All right. Yeah. So take hey, us through. So from the start to where you are now, take us oh, through the journey. Oh, man. Okay. So my name, my in-game name, Papi Cam, you know, I played a lot of, a lot of games growing up, a lot of sports. I think that's where a lot of the ambition and drive came from. I uh, just love the competitiveness of uh, competing. I remember playing my first game. I think it was Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, waking up on Christmas and just playing the crap out of that, man. But uh, yeah, definitely sports gave me a a big drive to where I'm at today, especially in the competitive scene. Because once the sports stopped, I just did a lot of gaming, man. A lot of gaming. And then Valorant came up and I I just, I loved it. So that's where I'm at today. And yeah, man, going to keep growing from here. For sure. Okay. Luke? Yeah, so for for me, I I also did a lot of sports growing up, uh, mainly with uh, mainly played hockey and soccer and all those types of things. Then going more into high school, uh, when I started playing um, water polo and doing swim and stuff like that was a lot more competitive compared to the rec leagues I did when I was a kid. Um, but I've always been kind of like that jack of all trades type of thing when it came to sports. But when I found Rocket League back in 2015, um, I found it. I wanted to be like pretty much from the get go. I was like, yo, this is something I want to just I want to be a master at rather than just just somebody who can be decent at it type of thing. So when I found Rocket League, I kind of went into it at, with a player mindset. And then as I grinded through the game, I actually got into coaching to help me as a player until now I'm actually, the, now I'm the coach here for final form and uh, I'm still training as a player, but um, me training as a player helps with being a coach and me training as a coach also helps with being a player. So it all kind of fits into one big thing. Mm. And that's how I hope today's podcast is sort of going to help any of the viewers out there. Uh, there's a range of perspectives and a lot of the questions that we'll be asking will will be for everyone. You know, whether you're a player, a coach, um, an analyst, a physio, a parent of, a, of an esports player. Um, there's so much to sort of get from this podcast. But uh, but yeah, briefly about Rocket League. We love that game as well. That's yeah. a game that we play. Um we actually, fun fact about us, we actually used to host um, a Rocket League podcast where we used to, for example, do a topic, uh, for example, stress and anxiety in sport. Uh, and then we would go and do a bonus episode on Rocket League where me and John would play. Um, 
let me tell you the, the gameplay is not that fun to watch <laughs> don't watch it please it's embarrassing yeah, don't, don't come for the gameplay come for the come for the questions and, yeah. the, and the answers um so yeah it was uh but that was a good time we should uh we should start that back up for sure but we haven't had the pleasure of um of playing valorant as of yet yeah we played csgo we went to um dreamhack uh, in John Sharpin in Sweden, uh, and Ooh. loads of CSGO was being played there. Valorant was as well, but we played CS because uh, we had Goose Breeder on the podcast. He plays for CLG Red. Yeah. Uh, she was competing there. So, yeah, she was a huge inspiration for us. But my unfortunately, I don't have a PC, so I can't really uh, run it. Uh, oh, so man. John will have to lead the way on that one. Exactly. Sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. But talk, talking of inspirations... Do you guys, did you guys have any inspirations like when you just started in like entering the space, esports space, um, any particular players, coaches, maybe puppy? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, when I first got into the game, man, you see all these streamers, uh, like Shroud, you know, Tarek, all these big names just advertising the game. And I don't know, man, you're just coming from a CSGO background, especially just seeing the, seeing the gameplay itself. It's just very refreshing, very new. And yeah, man, it's just, you just get hooked on it just right away. Yeah, just nonstop playing, nonstop grinding, man. Just getting straight to it, for sure. What about you, Duke? Any inspirations? Yeah, I had a couple of weird inspirations. Unlike Valorant, yeah, I didn't, we didn't have the CSGO community kind of like jumpstart the community in Rocket League. So for me, I actually got into Rocket League watching two um, big YouTubers, one being Markiplier. He played Rocket League in the beta. So I got into, I watched his video on it. And then I also got into it from a Minecraft YouTuber called um, Sunday at the time. I don't think he does my, much Minecraft now, but I got into Rocket League from him as well. I got it around Christmas 2015. And that was my big inspiration to get into the game. And then Cronovi, Cuxer, and then an Oceanic player, Drippe, were my three main pro players that I kind of followed when I first got into the scene. And uh, they were my big inspirations. And now I was able to play them. I'm actually able to play them in rank sometimes. So it's fun. It's mad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it must be crazy. What were some aspects of like them as a person did you sort of look up to? Like, for both of you in terms of those inspirations that you just mentioned there what was the qualities would you say that yeah, i think uh a lot of the streamers and the ones that you're you get close to they have a very relatable personality like you can relate a lot to their daily lives and um you know even like like he said just playing with them like getting to that level and you can actually talk to them and just be a part of the community it's it's pretty wild just to see and relate honestly like yeah, no. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I can agree. I can agree with that. Um, but for uh since I was since I'm only 19 now, so back in 2015, I was I was still compared compared to the rest of the scene, really young. So seeing a player like Cronovi, he used to be very um agitated by what I've seen. He used to be very immature, but pretty much right after that first season where he won the world championship, he turned into the like one of the most grown well-known players in the scene most matured as well and he was pretty young at the time as well then cuxer his discipline was insane before during so he lost um the grand finals in season one of rlcs and then right after that um in an interview he said he was doing 15 hour days of training in rocket league and every single day in discipline and then that season they won that world championship by a landslide his hard work was shown full on display like 
that's the main thing. And then for for Drippe, he's an OC. He's from Oceania, Australia, and his and um, he was the first player to um, actually transfer to another region after being the carrying his team for the most part to its region's highest ranking in top four. So um, showing that even in a small region with worse practice, you can still get up to the top of the top of the game. Okay. So just based off like their sort of stories, then <clears throat> in terms of like what you value from a player, it's that hard work um, and sort of dedication. Are there any other some sort of qualities uh, you feel make a successful rocket league player? Would you say? Um in terms of what, what what do you need to make it to the top psychologically, mentally? You have to be able to be as much of a leader as you are a listener for the most part. Uh, the biggest thing any pro tells you about is um, you can grind mechanically until you're the same skill level as a pro. But then if you don't know how to talk to your teammates, if you don't know how to lead your teammates, if you don't know how to listen to your teammates input, you will get hard stuck at this middle area of semi-pros and some players, they never move up from that because they can't learn to talk with people. So leadership and being able to listen, both of those combined are just as important as one another. And I say they're the most necessary part psychologically. What what type of communication is needed? Is it sort of like snappy? Is it more informational, like constant during the gameplay? What is like effective communication? What does that look like in Rocket League? Would you say? So... In game, uh, the most effective communication is essentially comms are for they're for confidence in the players. The players should all know who's going for the ball or who's going where and everything like that, just based off of their own knowledge of the game. So what it's more there for is to give extra information that players may have missed or to give confidence in a decision. So if two players, they're kind of in the same spot, but they're, there's still logically a reason why one player should go over the other, but the comms reaffirm that decision. So the players are able to go with more confidence and then more outside the game. That's where the real listening and leadership comes into being able to bring a coach and being a more four man team rather than just three individuals and a coach, uh, being able to listen to one another and then be able to find answers to questions that you may not already know the answer to um that's the where the most communication is a lot slower a lot more logical and then in game that's where it's a lot quicker more confidence based i would say before we move on to the perspective of, of valorant um i wanted to sort of stick on rocket league for a sec but specifically the communication of a coach you know we're talking about communication how do you like to input do you input during game uh and if so like how much are you inputting and, and what type of communication are you using as a coach um, and then also like after the game you know how are you debriefing so during a game i don't really say much besides maybe let's go or it's all right if we get oh. scored on or if we get a goal um but if we're down say two goals with like a minute left maybe mid comms i'll be like all right guys nothing to lose full send it so because we're down by a couple goals in the final minute um but outside that normally i just speak in between goals just cheering them on saying good job or whatever then 
in between games, that's where I more um, look at are they are they doing what we've been focusing on for the last week? Because when we're in scrimmages, then the main thing that I do is I uh, is I make sure they focus on their four main focus points for that week. And then hopefully by the end of the week, they've mastered at least one of those points and replace that one point they've mastered with a new point. So over time, we see constant improvement. Um, and then most of those points are found out from us doing doing a replay review every week from the, with a team. And then I do individual replay reviews with each of the players to make sure there's even more understanding. I get all four points from those replay reviews. And I just make sure during the scrimmages that each player is accomplishing those. And then mid tournament, that's normally when the bad habits come back. I'm really pushing those things that they've been working on that week to ensure that even in a tournament, those bad habits don't come back. So mid tournament, I'm normally looking at, is there a bad habit coming back? Are you looking for demos when you're rotating back? Are you looking to keep possession? Because if those things aren't happening, then the team will fall apart. We want to see that consistent improvement and raise that team floor more than anything. Mm, okay. And for any of the Rocket League players out there at the moment, what would you say is like four of the main um, action points you would say to, to, to be a good player and a good teammate? Four main action points. Um, so Rocket League, I would say no matter what, even the, uh, psychologically as much as all that is super important and necessary, the first big one is you have to have the mechanics and the awareness to be at the highest level of the game. Um, that's why I suggest for most people when they first start off, just fully go into developing mechanics and um, being able to get used to the highest speed. But then from that point on, uh, being able to listen to your teammates, being able to uh, adapt. Rocket League is a lot more, because Rocket League, it is called car soccer by some people, but I think of it more, like the rotations are very similar to hockey as a sport because of how much momentum there is and um, getting players get used to the adaptability with the demolitions and the momentum-based rotations um, rather than just fixed positions can can be pretty difficult. But as long as you're able to adapt and listen, a good coach can teach anybody how to rotate like the highest level. Yeah, for sure. I remember one time me and John were learning rotations. I did like a needs analysis on Rocket League and what the players need to know and how they sort of play and, and what they need to focus on. And a big thing was rotations. And uh, I remember we, I come back to, to Rocket League with John and uh, I tried sort of coaching the team on how we can rotate effectively. And uh, the amount of comms it required was more than more than the standard player. <laughs> yeah, all we were doing was just comms, like simple, clean comms. That's it. We weren't even like enjoying the gameplay. We <laughs> no, no, we're like, rotating back. All right, Joe, you're number one. All right, John, you're number two. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, but... Uh, Papi, like in terms of some of the main qualities you feel make a successful Valorant player, what do you need to be to be at the very top, you know, on that journey up? You know, it's very similar to Rockley. Like he touched a lot on the, the main points, but uh, I think one of the biggest ones is like your work ethic, you know, and if you're willing to put in that time, I think 80% of the time is just, just showing up, just showing up to the day, learning, putting that time in. And um, yeah, you know, just keep solid improving every single day. It's got to be 1% better every single day. And uh, yeah, it just, it's just going to keep going on top of each other. Keep, keep growing, growing. For and sure. um, yeah, no, for sure. And I think another one would be like uh, having a strong mental, strong drive. There's always going to be people like consistently putting you down, saying you're not good enough or saying, you know, you're doing something wrong or you just, you just got to take it a day at a time and just keep learning. Like I said, just learning every single day into that. 
and yeah, uh, no, one, yeah no. I'll continue. Before you move on to the next point, I just wanted to sort of touch on your first point uh, about that work ethic and always showing up. Um, there's something I really want to convey to, to the esports audience. Um, there's a, obviously a huge grind culture in esports, you know, grinding. Everyone associates with being a grinder. You know, I like to identify as a grinder in general life. Working hard is part of my identity. But I think if we can reframe what grinding is, you know, instead of just getting hours in on the game, just playing, 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 there's more to grinding than just playing. You know, there's a lot of things you can do to benefit performance. Playing can only get to you so far before, you know, you just mentally just check out. There's other things you can do like self-care, exercise, analysing performance, nutrition, getting your nutrition right. Like there's so many things that go into performance other than just playing the game. And I just wanted to sort of convey that message before we uh, move on to more qualities required to be at the top of Valorant. No, like that was going to be my next point. It's going to be, it's balance for sure. It's like, you know, going to the gym, that's just, just a massive one. Taking care of yourself. Like if you're not, if you're not drinking enough water, if you're not eating enough, like it's going to affect your game. Like no matter how much time you put into this game, it's, it's all going to play a, a massive factor for sure. I think to add to that balance point, I think having sort of other interests outside of esports, I know it can be quite difficult, uh, but even you can, you know, be like do content creation or just other hobbies outside of esports. I think it helps a lot with that balance. Um, so when there's like games that don't go so right, trainings that or scrims that don't go so right, you don't sort of bring it back home essentially or to, to yourself. Um, you're more than just a player. You know, you can be that friend. Uh a dad if you're an older player um you know it can be all these different you know people at once um yeah sure. i definitely think oh, yeah even yeah. like before the podcast you know like we were all in that course or prepping and chatting and i don't think once we really spoke about esports it was all about uh toronto and, uh, <laughs> and basketball <laughs> and football and uh and, and yeah like we have other interests outside of just esports which is super important because another thing um, you know, esports careers don't last very long. You know, there's an expiry date on on everyone's career. We we can't play forever. I mean, my hero went on for so long in esports. Uh, Scump, like he, I've watched him since like sort of day one, and uh, obviously he's just retired. But you know, his transition out of the game has been so easy for him because he has other interests outside of just esports. You know, he's a huge content creator. He's got a family um and also like he focuses a lot on his health as well like exercising i remember that optic house i remember they used to go to the gym so much um so it helps that transition outside of uh outside of esports which um which everyone will have to go through at some point and whether it's like you know luke um transitioning into a coach you know you can do that as well um seeing other aspects of the game other than just playing is uh is super important um but a topic I wanted to touch on, and perhaps we should have touched on this a bit earlier because it's super important. Um, when we were talking about sort of growing up, um, how we got into esports, I think this is different for everyone um, in terms of how their parents react to their esports career um, and pursuing esports. You know, what was sort of your uh, parents' reaction, Papi? Oh, man. Uh, well, my parents, I, I was kind of a little bit more fortunate in this aspect. I had second gen parents growing up. So, I mean, whatever, whatever I, 
I, I followed and uh, I aspired to be. They were very, very supportive in that um, that field, that sense. But I know a lot of people who have uh, first generation parents. So it's it's very hard. You they they very they push on they push school very hard and uh, getting an education, just making a lot of money. Like that's that's their main focus. They don't they don't realize the potential or like your passion, your happiness. Then they put that above all else, right? And so it's it's quite difficult in that aspect, but. You know, I was kind of blessed in, uh, like I said, second generation parents for sure. Okay. What about you, Luke? Yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of blessed in that uh, area as well. Uh, my parents have always been very supportive of what I want to do. The main thing they've always taught is they've taught discipline along with doing what I want. So all, even though I've been doing esports and everything now for the past few years, my parents always said, make sure you have a backup plan. That's like their main repetitive statement. I mean, I have my own repetitive statements as a coach, but that's the one main thing that they, uh, that they would tell me is have a backup plan. And what is that backup plan? school for me that's that's my backup plan um i'm currently still in school currently in college um studying computer science at the moment um so that's the main thing in regards to my backup plan but uh that's the that's the only thing they care about as long as i have that backup plan of school as long as i had good grades through high school and everything like that that's what they cared about so i did that for them i got straight a's through high school got into college and then i'm still doing that while at the same time um pursuing what I really want to do, which is in esports. Man, uh, props to you. That's uh, that's super good and a super good role model for for anyone out there. Um, you know, you can do both. Um, one thing I sort of wanted to touch on. Obviously, you guys have had both really uh, positive experiences, and and not everyone has that positive experience. Um, I was actually when we was at that um, dream hack, we were talking to a couple parents, and um, you know. I feel like a lot of parents use the game as a punishment. You know, if they ever do anything sort of wrong or um, things are sort of slacking. Um, but often, you know, as gamers, the the game esports is our only sort of release from 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 life. If we are having struggles at school, um, you're being bullied or anything like that, the game is where you can take out those stresses and, and sort of just escape reality. That's what I like to do sometimes. You know. <laughs> I saw a TikTok where it's like all this like chatter, 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 and then you put on your headset and it's like just silence. <laughs> uh, all those sort of, um, yeah, outside pressures and negatives sort of just go away. So I would encourage parents maybe to um, reconsider uh, using the game as a punishment. Um, obviously, if it does mean a lot to them, it, it can be good for sort of like behavior sort of change, but um, just think twice about that, I would yeah. say. Yeah, um, gaming and esports can be that social outlet as well, like you mentioned, though. Sure. Um, you know, connecting with your friends, whether that's like overseas, etc. Um, and one of those parents mentioned at the conference that one of their like children was learning a lot, like a lot of skills. Um, for example, they were like hiring you know people to do their content creation. Like esports can bring all these variety of skills that I think most parents can't really see. Um, from a yeah. young age as well yeah um i did have one question in terms of that sort of support for both of you um i'd love to dig deeper on what type of support they provided you with um because obviously there's different types of support that exist as either emotional support whether that's just giving equipment uh you know the pc keyboards um what type of support sort of helped you i guess during your during your careers both of you puppy 
Help me. Uh, Luke, you got this one first. <laughs> uh, I got this one first. All right. So uh, my parents, I mean, they tended to be um, always at work. We're kind of in that lower middle class in regards to in regards to America, which lower middle class is, isn't the best, uh, at least in the States. Um, but so they were always at work pretty much 24 seven. But whenever they did come home, they would always um, they would always ask my, my brothers and I how we were feeling and everything like that so in terms of mentally they're always on even though they couldn't be home unless it was for sports sometimes they wanted to make sure that we um that they knew that they could that we knew that they cared about us and for the most part and actually not for the most part entirely we knew that <laughs> they cared about us um and then outside of that um back uh, i think when i was 12 they got me my first gaming laptop and at the time that's when i was really into minecraft i had a minecraft build team uh, we had a youtube channel everything like that you know just one of the younger kid youtube channels and everything like that that didn't really go anywhere but it really taught me how to communicate with people and um, i actually met a lifelong friend just through that and i got to meet him six years after i met him i met him in person um for a week we it was just and once you and that's the thing when you meet somebody that you've known online for a long time, you think you're you're all nervous and everything like that. But the instant you meet in person for the first time, there's like a second of shock. And then it's like you've known each other in person your entire life. And that's what it was for me. And my parents are able to support me and being able to meet that friend in person. And then um, also just maybe on Christmas or on my birthday, sometimes they'd help me with things like um, I used to be on console. So a capture card for recording on that or um, eventually my, my laptop. And then the one thing though, uh, my current PC that I built, um, I, they didn't actually help with at all. My dad got me an SSD maybe for some extra storage, but I actually got a job as a lifeguard and I paid for, I went, I worked the entire summer to actually get this computer. And they said that they wanted me to get this one on my own type of thing. So I think that was a really good thing for them to do. Yeah. Like a good lesson as far as my dreams to sort of have that where you make, you make, make a friend online. Those videos are so good to watch when they meet in person for the first time. To be we fair, bonded. John, yeah. Yeah. We bonded yeah, yeah. on gaming, didn't we? We, yeah, we, we, we like, both... uh, yeah, we obviously went to university together, but for the first like two years, we weren't really friends. We we're on the same course, but we didn't really talk. Uh, and then we got like put together on like a group sort of assignment or something. And I remember telling John, like, do you want to sort of hop on card? Uh, we did. And then after that is, uh, yeah, that, that was sort of the starting point for everything. So, uh, so yeah, now gaming's a super good way to, to have that social and, uh, and, and build relationships for a lifetime. Happy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, it's your uh, turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, growing up, uh, my parents, they were pretty, pretty good. Uh, my dad, not so much. My mom would always help me out. Um, I did have a little bit of anxiety, social anxiety, especially growing up. And she definitely helped me out. I went through a bunch of therapies and um, yeah, especially in the gaming scene when I started uh, very early, I think when I, when I was younger, I networked a lot and I reached out and I had a lot of people help me out for sure. Um, and along my journey, um, my therapist especially helped me teach, taught me a lot regarding uh, the social aspect of things. And just getting out there and yeah, just, just learning. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, but regarding equipment and everything like that, I was in a middle, middle to upper class, I'd say household. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I kind of got blessed with kind of whatever I wanted now for sure. So, I mean, not really much struggles in that aspect. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, I appreciate you sort of opening up about that. I think uh, that's super inspiring for, for any viewers out there sort of going through a similar thing because I'm sure a lot of people have that sort of social anxiety. Um, it's so super common um, in, in gaming is that outlet like we keep banging on about. Um, so, yeah. One thing I wanted to sort of touch on as well, um, I think every, all the sort of viewers should understand what they're getting into before they get into it. Um, so I wanted to sort of go through like a typical day of each of your days. Um, so specifically as like a coach and specifically as a player, I think that's two super good perspectives on, on what a typical day looks like. So we'll start with the coach. We'll start with Luke. What, uh, what sort of a typical day for you? Uh, maybe take us through a training sort of day, like a scrims, that sort of stuff. And then also on competition day. All right. So I'm I'm a coach and a player. So my days kind of combine into both of those things. So um, first of all, I, I normally wake up when, um, when the team I coach is starting to scrim. So that normally works out pretty well. So I wake up, do my normal morning routine, take care of that. And then that's, then I pretty much get right into scrims with my team since they're five hours ahead of me. I'm in California. They're in Brazilian time. So um, that's five hours ahead. Um, so Luckily, it works out because I can just wake up and get right to it. Um, so normally scrimmages, that's normally two, three hours of that. If we do a replay review, then that maybe adds on an extra hour or two um, normally. And normally we do replay reviews pretty often. So normally roughly four hours. Then after that, um, normally that's when my dad and I go make lunch or something like that. And then after that, that's pretty much where I do most of my player training, pretty much an hour of free play in Rocket League and then grinding ranked, grinding um, a third party server called Six Mans. And um, that's normally takes another four, four hours. And after that, that's when I tend to be like, OK, I got my necessary hours in for the day as a coach and as a player, and then I can divide it into other stuff. Recently, what I've been really playing is Valorant. So it kind of fits this kind of fits uh, this. Um, uh, of course, since I focus on Rocket League, don't get as much time to grind Valorant. But when I first started playing, I got all the way up to around Plat in Valorant. Um, most mainly because one of my friends was really high ranked in CS:GO when I when I first started. Um, but that normally tends to be those first eight hours of of grinding, and then if I have nothing else to do, then I'm either analyzing replays, having fun on Valorant, or honestly. Most of the time, I just hop back on Rocket League and I start grinding ranked again just because I have nothing else to do. <laughs> yeah, no. I had a little question for Luke, actually, because I'm really interested in that sort of dynamic of wearing different hats. So you're both a player and a coach. Um, have you sort of learned any transferable skills from one sort of role to the other? So like potentially, have you learned anything being a coach that you could apply to being a player and vice versa? Uh, yes, definitely. That's actually why uh, I got into coaching is to help with me being a player. So there's two mindsets when it comes to learning anything. And that's there's the logical, more conscious thoughts that you have to understand about anything when you're improving. And then there's the subconscious thoughts, the more instant, quick thinking, you're used to it thoughts that you can do on the fly. When you're a coach, you're wearing that logical, conscious hat of you can think of answers without any time limit and everything like that. And once you have the answers thinking logically, then you're good with that. 
but then it's about transferring it into the subconscious quick thinking uh, line of thinking. And how you do that is you have focus points that you focus on every single time until what used to be something you have to consciously think about in game. You don't have to consciously think about it. You notice a pattern and you instantly do what you need to do for probably the easiest thing to reckon uh, analogy to, to understand Rocket League is of course you're taking possession when you have the ball, but let's say you lose the ball back to your teammate that's behind you. The instant that I'm under or in front of that ball, I'm instantly thinking, okay, I need to apply off ball pressure. But instead of me having in my head thinking all those different words, it's just the instant the ball is up behind me. I'm looking for demos. I'm looking for boost deals and everything like that. Uh, most coaches don't have that subconscious mindset because you have to put hours into doing that. But that's why I like being a coach and a player is I logically improve with how the game works, but then I'm instantly putting that into and training the subconscious part. So I'm able to train the as a player and a coach, the coach, gets me the ideas I need. Then as a player, I'm training to get those into my subconscious. And it can also, since I have that experience doing it myself, I'm able to put that into training our players. We actually have a little healthy competition going on where uh, all four of us are grinding to try and get on the top 100 leaderboard in twos. So let's say even if two of our players get there, the third one He's not just lost. He still has to make sure the coach doesn't beat him to top 100 and twos, <laughs> just to make sure, just to make sure that we're all in a good, healthy competition and improving. Yeah. Sounds like a nice culture to have, you know, that yeah, little yeah, no competitiveness yeah. within the team. That's fantastic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Papi. Yeah, uh, my day starts off around uh, I'd say like 11 p.m. I just kind of get get some food, you know, walk the dog. Go get some air, touch some grass. And then, you know, I hop on the game, get to the aim training right away. Kovacs, aim labs, uh, balance a little bit more aim intensive for sure. So I got to stay on top of my game in that aspect. Uh, I don't know, a couple hours playing ranked, get about four o'clock. Uh, 4 p.m., 6 p.m., my block is usually hanging out with some family, either family or friends, you know, get some more food. And then that's when uh, I'd say my night begins. 6 to 11 is when the grind time starts. That's with the team doing some VODs, going over any any strats, any playbook stuff, anything like that. And then we just play for like four or five hours, grinding to around, I don't know, 11 p.m. And then kind of do a bit of VOD review after that. You know, after that, I do a little bit of streaming and then, you know, go to bed, get some sleep, get ready for the next day. Mm. How have you found sort of um, playing and streaming, like balancing the two? Oh, man. At first, I'd say it was, it's quite hard, man. You got to put in a lot of time into this stuff for sure, especially uh, focusing on your diet. That was one of the hardest things in, in the beginning, especially not eating enough, not sleeping enough, not getting enough water, any of that. Even balancing, insanely hard. Just spending time with my family. I barely have time for that now, right? So, but um, yeah, just doing it over and over and over, it kind of, kind of figure out the routine, kind of get the balance in there. And yeah. No, yeah, definitely. S simple now. Sleep, mm -hmm. like sleep and rest is, uh, is probably one of the most important things I think uh, and often overlooked. Um, I feel like if you haven't had enough sleep, frustration can easily creep in, um, like easily tilted. Um, your concentration isn't quite there. Um, I also think hydration plays a big part as well, like drinking enough water. Like for me, that's like the number one thing to feeling good on a day-to-day -day basis is making sure I'm hydrated and drinking enough because my mental state when I don't drink, yeah, like I try and get through two of these so about a gallon of water a day. And, uh, and yeah, that's like just number one, number one rule for me. Uh, 
you must be going to the toilet so much if you're finishing uh, this. <laughs> you know, like when you first start drinking water, like quite a lot, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is so frustrating. Like you get comfy on the sofa, like chilling. I gotta go to the toilet again. Like get up and go to the toilet. It's so annoying. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, you sort of get used to it and accustomed. Yeah. Uh, but like we're on the topic of like performance there. Um, you know what we do, like our daily processes, but I want to really dive into that preparation, um, you know, preparing ourselves for competition. Let's say we've got a big tournament um, and, and Luke, you can put your player hat on if you want. Um, in, in terms of like preparing for competition, talk me through your routine, sort of from waking up to, to the preparing, like what sort of things you, you do and take into account food, take into account uh, fluid intake, are you drinking caffeine, like da da da, like everything? We'll start with Papi because we'll start with Luke quite a bit. <laughs> That's okay. Um, well, preparation, especially before game days. I mean, like I said, we do a lot of aim training. Uh, we do take a lot of caffeine. I'm not gonna lie in that aspect. Uh, we always go over. I think a big one is we always go over keynotes, right? So we got to make sure our mental's in check. We got to make sure everybody's feeling okay. Everybody's all good to go. And uh, yeah, you know, having to practice, especially like it's always going to be a tournament environment. Like you're always playing with a million dollars on the line. That's one of the biggest thing. It's like whatever you practice, you're going to be taking it over into your tournament games, especially. So practicing good habits is going to lead to a lot of victories and wins. Yeah. Puppy, sure. are you the type of player that sort of needs to be hyped before like a big competition? I, or do you I'd like to say I am or... the hype man. No, I got oh, I got to make man. sure I got to make sure everybody is hyped. You know, we got to be all in the zone. You know, it carries over. If our if our mood is down here, then that's how we're going to play. If our mood's up here, that's how we're going to perform. Right. So I got to always keep my team in check for sure. If, you, if, you, if you're the hype man, I want to sort of understand, for example, if your team goes a couple rounds down, you know, do you take it upon yourself to to try and hype everyone back up and raise morale? And, and what would you do to do that? Um, well, I mean, we gotta, yeah, for sure. I gotta, I gotta keep, make sure the team's in check, right? We got, we got something called timeouts, especially in the tournament environment. So we, you know, if we lose a couple of rounds, we gotta take that timeout. We gotta, we gotta recollect our thoughts, see what's going wrong. You know, we gotta always have the mindset that we are better than everybody. Right. So, you know, just reminding people that what we're capable of, my team is capable of just having that mindset. It's, it's going to take us very far for sure. Hi guys, Adri time. So if you're an esports player, an esports coach, or an esports organization who's simply interested in incorporating psychology support within your system, feel free to reach out. You know, at Mastering the Mind, we provide different types of services, whether it's one-to-one -one support, team support, or educational workshops on the mental side of esports. You know, we really seek to support players and coaches develop the necessary psychological skills to not only enhance their esports performance, but enhance their esports participation experience as well. So whether it's coping with tilt or, you know, coping with the pressure of competition, you know, those feelings of stress and anxiety before big comp, these are all things that we can help you with. The first session is free of charge, so feel free to reach out. And if you want more information, just visit www.mtmconsultancy.org or just send us a message on our various social media accounts at mtm underscore OFF. Right, back to the episode. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Luke? <laughs> Yeah, so for me, um, normally my days, I don't know if it's lucky or unlucky, my days kind of, my game days kind of match up as a player and as a coach. Oh so <laughs> um, 
So we got the normal RLCS main event. So actually, last weekend was the perfect example. So um, Friday, that's the RLCS main event day for South America. But it's also day one of the open qualifier for North America. So um, initially, I wake up. I make sure I eat something. while the Because during a warm-up scrim, it's pretty much I let the players warm up, do whatever they need to do just to be comfortable with themselves um, before the tournament begins. And then that's normally when I'm eating my food. I come back to like, say the last two games of the warm up scrimmage. And that's when I'm like, okay, guys, we're, we're warmed up. Make sure in these last two games of the scrims, you're focusing on those main focus points that I've given you guys this week. We're not going to have any bad habits today. It's the main thing that I'm going to do. And I'm, and I build up their confidence in regards to that they're solid players, they're professionals. So it's just about, focusing on those focus points and then we get into game day and i went over this talking about normally i speak in between games i look at making sure they don't have those bad habits coming back uh but after that it, i normally have about uh, normally by the time the rlcs finishes um it, i have about maybe 30 minutes of where i can go make some lunch anything like that and then I get on for my player scrimmage to warm up. And then I we do that scrimmage. We warm up. Normally, when I'm in that player mindset, I'm trying to get into a point where, because I'm normally very nervous, but normally, once I get in the game, I'm perfectly fine. But the entirety of the time leading up, like during the scrimmage, I, I'm playing horrible. Uh, that's been happening for the last few years as a player. But the instant we get into that first match, I'm locked in. Normally, the biggest compliment my teammates have given me is once we're in game day, I'm the best player on the pitch um, normally just because I'm able to be confident even with those nerves. I guess you could say I'm used to it. Um, but yeah, my whole game day, four hours or so of the main day, 30-minute break, and then another four hours as a player uh, for the most part. But once that's all done, uh, I'm normally just, I I'm tired. I, I'm out. I want to go to bed and everything like that. But yeah, um, big, big day for, for yeah, both. That sounds like it. Like, I imagine like, after going through all that coaching process, you're pretty dialed in as a player. Uh, yeah, just gone through all the processes that's necessary. Um, but I definitely relate to... Um, when you were saying you were nervous sort of before games and, you know, I was sort of the same, you know, uh, especially when I play uh, football, for example, um, I remember before big games, like I'd be ridiculously nervous, but then I suppose when you play in traditional sports, uh, one thing you can always do if you're having a bad game is like outwork the opposition, you know, you can just rely on physical exertion. Um, but yeah, no, I, I sort of went through a different the same sort of process um, and that's the whole reason why I got into sports psychology you know like what we do um, I feel like the difference between being good and being great is being able to perform when it really matters so that's sort of like was my whole mindset when I was studying all those years to sort of understand you know what can we do to perform when it really matters um, so yeah I think that's what makes the legends of the game you know uh, so yeah no I appreciate you sort of sharing that with us um, but I feel like we've touched on two different um, perspectives there in terms of like we've, we've talked about the parents, we've talked about the player, obviously from your perspective, Luke, we've, we've talked a little bit about being a coach, but both of you put your player hats on at the moment. What do you value from a coach perspective and any support staff? Um, how do you like your coaches to sort of interact with you um, outside of the game and inside the game? You know, what do you look for? 
Um, I think, uh, especially being coach, you have to realize we're all human, right? Sometimes they can, I'd say they can forget that they'd always be very hard on us. So they, they raise their expectations very high considering we are, uh, we're, we're supposed to be highly valued, but, um, you know, just talking to us, talking to us, like we're human communication, it's always the, the biggest thing for sure. Yeah. No. Yeah. Really agree. You look. And then for me, uh, so main thing that I, my main philosophy for coaches is a coach is not just somebody who helps out. A coach is part of the team. A coach, they, a coach and players, they may do different things, but at the end of the day, they're all equally putting in the same amount of effort. We're all part of the same team. We need to have a certain chemistry about us. So normally, uh, with my teams as a, as a player. I normally tend to be the player coach in all sorts of shapes and fashions, but I did for a little bit have um, a, a coach for one of my teams. Uh, he wasn't very high ranked or anything, but he kind of just kept our mentals in check. He, I gave him a checklist of things that I wanted him to look out for us. And then um, he kind of just made sure that we were following those things. He made sure we were calm if we were nervous. And if he recognized any patterns that were pretty obvious, he would let us know. And uh, we worked him really into the dynamic of him being trusted as much as we trusted each other. Because teammates, they have to trust each other. And a coach is just a fourth teammate, at least in my philosophy. So that's why we all got to be able to trust each other fully. And uh, that's where I want with a coach. A coach should be able to, to that can be a leader, but at the same time, still be integrated in the team, not just as a leader, but as an equal player in regards to the whole dynamic. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. You know, as a sports psychologist, we often, uh, and sports psychologists, mental coaches, performance coaches, um, you know, everyone often views us as we, we can only sort of work with uh, players. But, you know, we like to work with coaches as well on how to build a successful culture, da-da-da-da-da-da, uh, but ultimately their performance needs to be as high as the players. Um, and we view them like yourself, Luke, uh, like uh, you're part of the team and your performance needs to be high on the day. So we also consult with coaches. Um, it's super important. Um, but I wanted to sort of touch on as well, like in terms of the realities of, of both of your sort of situations, what have been some of the main challenges you've faced um, throughout sort of your career so far some of the main demands uh that, that are required in, in Valorant and Rocket League so we'll start with Valorant um what are some of the main demands or challenges you've faced throughout your, your career so far um well I mean there's always going to be challenges but I see some of the main aspects or some of the main challenges for us is uh just getting over the hurdle of uh well in our example is they'd be like a like a top 25 team right a lot of these top 50 teams, they're putting in a lot of time, a lot of effort, right? And um, it's a huge psychological game. And uh, I think our psychological barrier is uh, one of the things that are holding us back for sure. Uh, we're constantly putting in time, putting in new new key elements to help improve our game. Um, we recently switched out one of our coaches. Um, so yeah, having that, it's going to help us get us to the next level for sure. Yeah. Okay. What what do you feel like is holding you back as a team? Would you say? I think one of the biggest things is going to be like the the mental aspect. You know, having it's like hovering it over our head. You know what I mean? Saying they're better than us per se. It's like it's not really there. It's all made up entirely for sure. But just having it there, it, it's just like a it's like a hovering cloud majority of the time. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I, it's like a mental just, game. Yeah, yeah. I was just yeah. going to wonder, like, 
I, I wonder if those thoughts are actually helpful, you know, like having these thoughts, how helpful was that to your guys' performance? Yeah, it's it's just like knowing knowing it's there, it helps us understand, right? It helps us understand, helps us benefit from it for sure. But um, yeah, no, just it's just there hovering all the time. Yeah. Interesting. Luke. All right. For me, um, some some of the biggest challenges, and this is before I even played Rocket League, is more self-care. When it comes to other people, that tends to be, yeah, I'm on top of it. If I, if I can help another person or anything like that, I'm 100% on it. I take care of it and everything like that. But over the years, I've realized that I, um, I can't help people if I'm not fully helped myself. So that's probably been the biggest challenge over the last couple of years that I've been trying to focus on is helping myself so i can take care of other people because that's what i want i want to help other people in the best way that i can so in order to do that 100 percent, i gotta be 100 percent in myself so that's probably been the biggest challenge um and i've been working on the in the more outside of gaming side of things a lot more and then inside the game that's where uh the the whole mental of it all can there's there's a lot um that i that i have to be able to accomplish on on any given day whether it be coaching playing and of course school and then um commentating a bunch of different tournaments and running tournaments as well since that's another hat that i wear is just trying to keep all these things in a good spot and then still making sure i have time to take care of myself still trying to increase that amount of time uh, where i'm taking care of myself but uh i'm making sure that i'm able to handle it all at once that's normal that's probably the biggest probably the bigger struggle is making sure that one i have time for everything but two making sure i don't forget about myself i mean it kind of sounds hard weird to think about it that way but so many different people i know have a hard time focusing on themselves uh, when it would seem like that's the easiest thing to do um and i actually have one psychological philosophy that i that i tell other people that i've been trying to implement that's kind of like a th um a triangle of different things you have to have an equal amount when you're at least in game when you're training in game you have to have an equal amount of optimism pessimism and perfectionism you have to have an equal amount of all those things in order to be true have a truly healthy mindset and it's something that i normally help people who are grinding the game with because with the pessimism you're able to see what you're doing wrong, but you have to know when you're being pessimistic. That's where what replay review is for. When you're in a replay, you can be pessimistic. You can say you're the worst player in the game and you're able to look at that. And then when you're training, when you're in ranked, that's where the perfectionism comes in. You took the pessimism. Now you're trying to perfect your gameplay. And then if you're in a tournament, you have to have the optimism. If you're mad when you're playing the game, if you're annoyed at your teammates, or if you're down after you get scored on one time, then you're going to fall apart. So that's where the optimism comes in. I try to balance out those three aspects in any player and in myself, at least when it comes to the game. Man, I, I love that. Yeah, no, thanks so much for sort of sharing that with us, uh, sort of going the extra mile with that. I appreciate it. Um, I wanted to sort of delve into like, what are some of the steps you've took in terms of that self-care? Um, you know, what are you doing to sort of focus on yourself? So um, I'm still I'm still working on that. So I'm not completely um, at that. Yeah. Uh, I forget the the psychological term for it. Um, self actualization. I, I'm not there at, on the triangle yet. Um, but uh, main thing I've been doing is making sure I can get a system in the morning. Just having a routine. Just waking up, putting on clothes, going brushing your teeth, eating food, uh, that that type of stuff. Uh, I'm I started out with that. Now I'm trying to implement making sure I have time, say 30 minutes to exercise, shower, all that type of stuff. At least do that every single day. And if I can get myself to do that, then I can move on to 
improving the next part of the thing. Kind of treating my life like I would as a coach. Start with the biggest issues and then master those and then go on to the next one for the most part. Yeah, a couple of things I've done for sort of self-care. Um, I had a real big problem with sort of trying to switch off. Um, really found it hard to disconnect from work. Um, so one thing I did was uh, I invested. So I've got like two phones. Um, so when work's done, you know, that phone's put away. No one can sort of get into contact with me. And then on my other phone, I only have friends, family. So any emergencies, that's always on there. Um, so that was something I took uh, upon myself. I found even like the odd text or anything like that would just switch me off. Like straight away, I'm like, right, what do I need to do to sort sort that? And it would then go into this huge cycle. And then like, for example, my girlfriend would be like, you know, you're never not on your phone. Uh, and I'm like, it's so hard not to be. So I really took that step this year. Uh, another one, exercise like is huge. Uh, making sure at least one part of my day, whether it's half an hour and an hour, um just putting that aside to, to exercise and then like luke's been doing you know adding one thing at a time so i've been going into the sauna now <laughs> and uh we're at the end of january now so it's about time to add the next sort of habit in uh to that and one thing's been sort of nutrition so making sure i don't eat any sort of processed foods um you know it's all unprocessed um things that are sort of grown from the earth uh so yeah that's sort of been my sort of steps to self-care yeah um Creating hey. boundaries is so important, I think, especially as a coach, like like Oliver said, I think in esports as well, I think it can be quite challenging because naturally it's sort of like the digital world, right? Um, you know, you're in front of your computer, you can be easily accessed by your phone. But I think creating boundaries for yourself is definitely a healthy step moving forwards and to really promote that self, self-care. But, um, yeah. Yeah, whilst we're on the topic of that, like in terms of self-care um, and sort of disconnecting, obviously disconnecting is extremely important. How do you guys sort of like to disconnect from esports? Have you got any other interests outside of uh, esports that you like to do in your sort of spare time when you're not playing? We'll start with um, that. Yeah, I like uh, hanging out with family, friends especially, playing a lot of basketball. I'm a sports guy still, so I mean, got to stay stay with it, right? Doing yeah. that, uh, taking an hour out of your day, especially just to go to the gym, you know, turn off your phone. I think that's one of the hugest ones ever because, you know, disconnecting from your phone is like extremely hard. I don't know. I just get anxiety, especially when you hear that notification bell. That's it for me. Like, yeah, yeah just turning it off completely. Do not disturb. Have an hour just to work on yourself, you know, lift some weights, jog on the treadmill. That's super important for sure. Okay. But yeah. Luke? Uh, yeah, for me, way I disconnect is same thing in regards to family. Um, every single night, once I get done with everything, my dad gets home from work normally really late, but we still want to, um, we either cook or something like that, or we watch, we watch a movie. It tends to be, we would just watch a movie every night when he comes home from work. Um, and that's like the only time normally where I just, I don't look at my phone at all. I just watch the movie, enjoy time eat some good food. And then, uh, that's pretty much what I do at night. And then outside of that, um, normally my disconnect is other video games for the most part, whether it be a single player game or playing, um, like I think I said, um, playing Valorant's the main thing that I'm playing right now. Um, outside when I'm trying to disconnect, um, 
But one thing I've always been really good at is compartmentalizing a lot of different things. So for me, I can disconnect from Rocket League by playing Rocket League with other friends. Kind of a different yeah. aspect in regards to that. Whether it be just playing private matches with a bunch of people on my server or something like that. Um, but yeah, I tend to be very locked in around esports and everything. But probably my be best disconnect is just leaving my phone in my room, going to watch a movie with my with my dad and brothers. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are better at it than others. Like, for example, you, you being able to like go on Rocket League and, and play with other friends and that sort of you disconnecting. I find it really hard to to sort of disconnect that way. Um, I even go to the lengths of like I need to be in different environments, um, to do different things. For example, like um before like I always used to be in my bedroom, whether it was like um gaming whether it was work whether it was like chilling like I was always in my room um and since then like I've moved out and you know I've got this sort of office space and then I even like transition this office space because I was gaming where I I sit um but now I have like a gaming sort of setup in the corner and this is my workstation so I can sort of put off my different hat and put on that one when I go and game so yeah those are sort of the lengths I've gone to so definitely like people are easier doing it than others um i would say that uh but yeah no thanks both for sort of your answers um i just sort of wanted to sort of finish it off with like sort of a final sort of question um in terms of like your future goals and ambitions uh what what sort of your goals and ambitions uh in, inside of esports and also outside of esports as well like looking into the later on in life um I personally would like to have a few properties and eventually uh, work off the money like that. Uh, I'm currently doing a lot of stocks. That's another thing I never got to mention about um, growing my wealth. I like seeing the numbers grow, right? So if that goes to uh, networking, so my Twitch or my my Twitter, I like to see those numbers grow. Translates to to money as well for sure. Um, regarding esports, I'd like to see this keep progressing, and I want to keep moving forward with um, my professional career as well. I like to be on some uh, pretty big teams. want to keep growing on Twitch, Twitter. Like I said, everything else. I just want to keep seeing everything grow and grow and grow and uh, hopefully progress and turn this into like, uh, like a massive thing for sure. What sort of some of the processes you feel um, day to day, week to week that are going to take you to those goals? Um, just consistently working towards my goals, right? So you just keep streaming. Yeah, keep keep it consistent, right? Keep streaming, keep saving money, keep it growing, right? In those aspects, um, keep interacting, keep networking. That's one of the biggest ones for sure. Networking, getting opportunity, opportunity costs, and um, yeah, just practice good habits overall. Okay, and Luke, uh, for me, my goals, um, at least in Rocket League, continue to grind as a coach and as a player. And then um, right now we're, we're trying to grind for the major, trying to make the the, the offline events for, for Rocket League here with my team. So that's the first big goal, either make the major or the world championship, trying to get as much points as we can. Um, and then as a player, just continuing to grind right now, just trying to get to a level where people respect me. I mean, with my team, we're already beating. We were already able to beat some top teams as a player, but individually I want to get up to that level. So that's, that's where my goal in regards to that. Then outside of that, 
finish school. And once I finish school, that's when I can put more time into streaming and commentating and everything like that, too, since I really do enjoy doing all that type of stuff. But it's just more the time commitment. I don't have a lot of time to stream on my own. Um, luckily, with, with being a player, I can stream, say, during when I play tournaments and everything like that. But um, it's still it's a very hard hat to wear in regard with everything else that I'm trying to do. So right now just trying to finish school and then replace that school time slot either with with streaming more running more tournaments or you know even just filling in with a part-time job until i'm solidified into the esports scene um like like cam said just continue to grow in every single aspect that's 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 my goals right now okay so yeah that sort of wraps up the podcast um you know thanks so much both of you for sort of coming on and chatting to us uh, we really appreciate it. Like in terms of what I've learned from this podcast, I feel like I, I took a lot away from it. Um, and I'm sure the audience have as well. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on guys. Uh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, no, yeah. it was great for sure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, oh, you- pleasure to be on here. Yeah. Appreciate it guys. Oh, you need to do your classic outro one. Come on. It's going to be switched up. Um, but yeah, no, to the audience, you know, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, actually the full version of this, like if you want to rewatch it, maybe share it with friends uh, or, or family that you feel will benefit from it. It will be available on Spotify, Apple podcasts and YouTube at master in the mind podcast. And I'm sure loads of clips like already like there's so many clips in my head that that are available from this podcast that we should uh, clip up and put out on social media because in terms of like self-care mental health improving performance so many things have just come out of that podcast parents coaches players um so yeah we appreciate final form as well for inviting us on to host this podcast um you know they're all great guys based on our discord calls that we've had with them you know they're all class uh and a great organization to sort of collaborate with. So shout out to them and, uh, and thank you for listening and we'll see you in the next one.